It's a racial issue, but it does go deeper than just race. There is a spiritual warfare going on. We, we seen the hurt in the community. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And uh, we felt that same hurt and compassion for the people. And so we get to come sharing the love and the hope of Christ with them. And just to share that, you know, there's a God who loves them and wants to comfort them and wants to take care of them. I do think with Billy Graham being out here it helps a lot because people do need prayer. You know, and if you believe and keep your faith, you will get touched. Those who are angry, those who are anxious, and in the prayer, we see their hearts melt. To be here in this community with the people and to hear their stories and just to sit with them and sometimes just to, um, just to stand alongside them, and it just gives me the greatest joy greatest joy because I see things happen that I know would never ever happen if it were not for the love of Christ. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham. The audio clip you were just listening to was from our rapid response team from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association or the BGEA. They deploy rapid response team chaplains in times of unrest and crisis often alongside Samaritan's Purse. This time, even though Samaritan's Purse isn't responding to the racial injustice and protests, the chaplains are stepping out to provide encouragement and healing. Since mid-March, our world has faced an unprecedented pandemic. Here on the podcast, we've taken you on the front lines of our emergency field hospitals in New York City and Italy. We've introduced you to doctors and nurses working in the trenches, and we've covered disaster responses to tornadoes in the U.S. that are compounding the effects of the coronavirus. Even as states begin to slowly reopen, we still face a lot of uncertainties, and we are seeing brokenness and sin in our world coming to the forefront. COVID has represented a physical pandemic, but we also have a spiritual pandemic called sin. The past few weeks have been sickening and heartbreaking as horrific racial injustices have been filmed, stirring up anger and pain in many Americans. As we continue to respond to COVID-19, our hearts are heavy as a staff for the recent events happening in our country. We feel like it would be wrong to continue with our normal programming in this situation. So I wanna introduce you to Kevin Williams, who is a chaplain with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team. He spent time in Minneapolis and he is now on the ground in Charlotte, North Carolina, praying for protesters and law enforcement alike. So first of all, I think, you know, for our Samaritan's Purse audience, you know, many know of the rapid response team going with USDR and, you know, the emergency field hospitals. But could you explain and give us a high level summary of of what your your team does? Yes, uh, the Billy Graham rapid response team in essence, it does two things. We train and we deploy. We train churches and Bible colleges, government agencies, law enforcement, uh, chaplain groups, and sharing hope in times of crisis. And the other side is deployment. We deploy to natural disasters alongside SP, uh, man-made disasters such as school shootings, police shootings civil unrest, terroristic attacks. 
And what we do is we go down on the ground in the middle of the chaos and take the love and hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I know after 9-11, you know, is that when the rapid response team began? Yes, the rapid response team was born after the 9-11. Franklin Graham knows so many people walking around with no one to talk to. And that was the birthing of the uh, rapid response team. Mm-hmm. And so I know you, yeah, you have responded, like you said, to man-made disasters and natural disasters. You've gone in after school shootings. Um, you've gone in after really hard, devastating times. How do you as chaplains prepare yourself for such a volatile and difficult response? Well, for us, training is essential. All of our chaplains are crisis trained. Uh, they're trained in our eight-hour seminar that we get. It's called a Sharing Hope in Crisis. And that sharing hope in crisis uh, deals with trauma and suffering, understanding how um, people clinically are uh, going through a lot of emotion. Um, they're um, dealing with stress. They're dealing with anger and confusion. And um, we recognize the clinical, but do not separate the biblical. We look at the whole person on any type of deployment. And especially in uh, the circumstances that are going on right now, we can see all these very things being played out in the souls of men and women and young children as well. And so we look in that area and also we are very strategic about listening appropriately mm-hmm. and not controlling the conversation, but Allowing someone else to talk, debrief, um, to let their feelings. And sometimes that's not a good conversation. They may be using some harsh words towards us or about us, wondering why we're there. And uh, that listening ear just seems to calm. And when the Holy Spirit nudges, even salvations and rededications and uh, other things can prompt from that. Mm-hmm. I know, I love that verse, you know, James 1, 19, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. You know, so often we are quick to speak and we don't hear people out. And, you know, the only way, one of the only ways to minister to someone is to hear their pain and hear where they're coming from. And so I love that you all do that. You go into the most painful situations and meet with people and just hear them out. And so speaking to to what you're doing today. So the rapid response team chaplains, you know, they've responded to the protests, you know, surrounding the racial injustice. And so you initially went to Minneapolis and now you have teams in Charlotte, correct? Yes. Okay. And so can you talk to me about what your teams are doing there? Again, um, they've, we've gone to uh, Minneapolis and set up uh, when um, these uh, protests first started and um, strategically, to have a ministry of presence, knowing that the crowds are very diverse with many uh, different attitudes, religions, ideologies. But with us, there's no partiality. Everyone receives the same love, the same care, the same message, that God loves them. And he loves them so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world that whoever believes in him 
and not perish, but have eternal life. But we have a focused verse for the rapid response team. And that root verse is Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, which reads as, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples that the harvest field is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And we recognize in these types of crises that there's many people there, and it's just the harvest field right for the Lord to move in the hearts and the minds and help maybe even lead someone out of the deep anguish of their soul that they're going through. Hmm. I love that. I love that scripture and that passage. And and I think right now, you know, it's always needed. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We, as believers, we all, God has work for us to do. But right now, especially like you said, so what have you been hearing from people in the crowds? What What is their pain? What are they saying to you? Well, there's all types of mixed emotions, but one thing that we're noticing across the board, everyone agrees, that a injustice has incurred Mm -hmm. and everyone is in a line and on the same accord with that. But then there's other cries out for different things. You have people that are angry with the government. You have people that are angry with the police. You have people that are just sick and tired of what they believe is a process that cannot be changed. And so there's a range of emotions uh, and feelings and anger and confusion that is happening on the street. But one thing that we see crystal clear is the need of the Holy Spirit soothing power to bring peace to these hurting souls that God might minister to them by a way of a ministry of presence. Mm. No one's um, really actively out doing that type of thing. They're really leading the protest to get the point across to whoever's listening. And so I know some of your responses, the rapid response team makes, you know, are isolated incidents. But like you said, our entire nation has been impacted by this horrible, you know, George Floyd's death. You know, that impacted our entire nation. And like you said, it it opened wounds and caused different reactions from everyone. But this is affecting our entire nation. And so it has to be affecting you as well. How has it impacted you personally? Well, I just, Christy, I just thank God that he loved me so much, even in the midst of my pain. Mm. My, my life has been a life of pain. I have personally experienced police brutality. I have personally experienced uh, being unjustly incarcerated. I personally experienced being put in prison without having due process of even going through a court system. And that could have really made me a very angry person and been, quite frankly, one of the worst protesters. 
but God softened my heart and he had a plan to use all of that and then put me in a uniform to identify with law enforcement, to understand what their hurdles were daily. So I could identify with law enforcement. I could identify with the protester that's going through the pain. I grew up in a city that was the top five murder capitals of the United States. And so just sheer survival was a daily task for myself and looking out for my brothers and sisters. But um, he decided to use all of that and build this in me to have a desire to be able to do his will with joy to encourage someone else in the midst of their crisis and not be partial about it. I could be impartial and be able to relate to all the categories. Kevin, thank you for sharing that. And I am sorry for all that you've been through, but I am, I like you said, I'm grateful that you found Jesus and you probably know more than most what it what it means to have a redeemer, you know, and how he seeks you and and came for you. Um, but I think, you know, our life experiences often prepare us, you know, for situations in ministry. And I love the way that you're using, you know, your scars and your pain to point people to Christ. Um, I know Ravi Zacharias in, in the book, The Grand Weaver, I love it. He talks about how most of us, you know, all of us have three, um, three conditions of our heart. We're either hard, you know, prideful, um, desensitized, or we've been broken. We've been crushed and devastated. And so those, both of those keep us from the Lord or we have a soft, tender heart, you know, and we're able to be molded and receive Christ. And so that's been my prayer for those that are racist or have pride and anger and um, evil, and that's keeping them from Christ or people that have been broken. Because like you said, I mean, there are so many in our country and I just grieve for those that have been crushed and they have been broken and hurt and hurt by Christians, you know, hurt by by good people. Um, and so I'm sorry, um, but I pray that through their hurt, that won't keep them from the Lord, you know, cause some are so hurt that they're not willing. Um, they can't They can't believe there would be a God because they're so hurt. And so I pray for soft hearts across our nation. You know, pride would be taken away, brokenness would be taken away. And so I thank you for using your testimony uh, for his glory. And you can speak to people uh, that many can't, you know, you can impact and get to people that that many just don't have, they can't walk in their shoes and they can't have the empathy that you do. How do, how are you praying for this situation? How can our audience be praying? Well, Christy, that is a, such a great question because in Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, which I did not quote, it says, Jesus went into all the cities and villages or towns. So he went into the cities where a lot of chaos was and the towns where the foreigners and immigrants were. And he was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. You've already said it three or four times on this podcast call that America is in crisis. Mm -hmm. All of our cities are in crisis. But God has his people in these cities. We've just experienced this coronavirus and we're still working through it where many of our churches 
have been closed and still closed? Could it be that God has a purpose for them being closed, that we're reconnecting more with our families and our community and actually having that ministry of presence a little closer to others that we normally wouldn't, that we are the light, that we are the hope, and could it be more focused on those around us that God would have us to minister to in every one of our cities because the harvest field is plentiful and the labors are few. Mm-hmm. That's the prayer that the body of Christ would come to that place where Jesus Christ would have us to be and recognize the harvest. It's everywhere. Is growing. They're crying out for his love and for who we carry in us to meet them right where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, COVID-19, you know, we've for almost three months now, you know, our nation has just been thrown off. You know, people have lost their jobs. People have been home. We haven't been meeting in church, but that doesn't stop the movement of God. Um, and I love, you know, Bob Pierce, Samaritan's Purse founder, you know, he said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. And I think as believers, you know, I mean, we live in a fallen, broken world. So, you know, since the earth's beginning, we've, we've had that broken heart. You know, like Jeremiah says in 8.18, you know, my sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. I mean, we just live in a fallen, broken world and that's why we needed a redeemer. We needed our savior, Jesus, to come and rescue us. But the past several months have, I think, intensified that with COVID, you know, with this horrific, some of these horrific killings, um, it's it's ignited uh, deep wounds in people and and just set off a wildfire. Um, and so as Christians, we need to truly let our hearts be broken and search God for how we can respond. And like you said, whether you're a trained chaplain or not, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are all called, you know, to speak his name and to encourage, um, to encourage the oppressed, seek justice and, you know, lift up the marginalized. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing though on the front lines. And I know it, it can't be easy. Um, but I'm so thankful that the Lord is sustaining you. Um, and you've mentioned so much scripture, but is there anything else, another scripture that the Lord has used to encourage people that you're ministering to it? Because I think so often we don't know what to say or what to share with people or what scripture to give them. What is something that has encouraged someone that you've shared with? Uh, Jesus talks again in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what we see in these crowds, when Christ in us through the Holy Spirit meets people with a ministry of presence, and they understand that there is a way to have peace. You hear the narrative on the street, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. And that's true in the sense of dealing with injustice. But the human soul will never have peace apart from God's love for the world sending his son, Jesus Christ. And until that is accepted, a man's soul 
will always be in crisis. And so the only hope is through Jesus Christ. All of these other things happening are real, but they do not, and they are not greater than God's love for each human being to give them soul, give their souls rest. Thank you. That just ministered to my heart. <laughs> um, that is so true. And I think, like I said, hearing from you, who's been through so much, and then you've been through so much ministering to people. I mean, you've seen some of the hardest of hearts. Um, and for you to be able to cling to that hope and, and offer it um, is really encouraging. Well, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, SP, uh, ministries, the Graham family has been a great encouragement to me hmm. uh, personally, and especially as African Americans. I can share with uh, angry individuals on the street and let them know that Billy Graham was very instrumental, along with Dr. Martin Luther King, of the 1964 Civil Acts Rights Bill being passed together. In Christ, through the gospel, they achieved that. Mm. And many of the people on the street that are trying to hijack that and do other means, they were not there at that time. And so when I share this history with angry folks on the street or why we are there, one is because we're commanded by Christ to take the gospel and the love and compassion of Lord Jesus Christ. But two, this racial issue through this ministry was dealt with a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, and speaking of which, how long have you been with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? This is my 13th year. Wow. When you said that they had a big impact on you and then I know you've been here a while, but I'd love to hear the backstory of that one day, how the Lord led you here and um, hear more about your personal testimony. But I just wanna thank you. Yeah, for what you're doing and the way that you are encouraging um, people that are hurting, but you're right. Uh, we all have that void and that loss in us, all of us. And some have had it harder than others. Um, but I pray that, yeah, God can use this dark time to shine his light and that he does that through his followers of Christ. He's doing it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanna share Um I know it's probably hard. You can't share a lot of your stories. Um, is there anything you can share from the ground that you've witnessed in the last week? Yes, I would just like to all of your listeners and for yourself that it may look totally dark and there is no hope and nothing's happening, but the Holy Spirit is moving on the ground. Hmm. He's moving in the souls of men and women and um, young people that are on the street. There are people being saved on this time. There are Christians out there that may have been a little misdirected and once having a talk with them, they're rededicating their lives and focusing on the right way to make a change. Hmm. And so law enforcement is being encouraged uh, when you can, in the midst, no one will really understand what it is to be in riot gear or standing up against hostile crowds, so many people that could overrun you. And in the middle of all of that, a captain walks up 
and prays for you. Mm. Walks through the middle of the line and creates some space between you and hostile aggression. Praying for both sides and all parties uh, with the same love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. God is moving. But what would that look like if it was more and more of the body of Christ out in these cities, in these hurting areas where people are traumatized and suffering and confused and hurt if the light was even brighter. It is encouraging to hear that you are encouraged and you have hope. Um, And so for Christians to pray, first of all, but then search their hearts, you know, and and seek the Lord for, for what he would have them do and then listen. I love how you said that. Listen to those around them. I think we need to hear people out, hear their pain, hear their stories uh, before we start trying to preach or share something. You know, we're just quick to tell our opinion or try to fix something with our mouth and that doesn't do anything. And I love how you guys love in action. You know, you go to them. And like you said, walk up to police officers, uh, walk up to protesters. You know, you're, you're really encouraging everyone right now. And so I encourage people listening to do that. Yeah. And last thing, I could just go on and on, but the last thing I encourage the body of believers, when you when you look at the news cycles and you see what's going on in the streets, and then when you have an opportunity to have conversations with someone, learning how to appropriately share the message of hope, but also learning how to appropriately talk and listen and learning about the effects of trauma and suffering and grief will go a long way because it'll put you in a position to not harm people Hmm. because there are times like this we say some things biblically that scripturally they're true but it's the wrong time to say it Mm -hmm. it actually harms people more than it helps and we have to be very sensitive and compassionate in that way to see the hurt and be ready to respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, because there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. You know, sympathy just wants to say something and put a Band-Aid on it, but you're right. There's a time and a place and empathy actually sits with someone. But thank you we for don't... sharing your time with us and sharing your heart. I think you gave great wisdom and insight in how to pray better and hold you all up. You know, we were, I was just reading Exodus today, you know, where Moses, he had to hold his arms up during the battle when Joshua was fighting, you know, and he, he couldn't hold it up. He was tired and he needed Aaron and her beside him holding their arms up. And so I pray that we would do that for you all. You know, as you are in the battle, in the thick of it, the, our, the leaders that are, and the, our pastors and, you know, our leaders, Christian leaders around the country, that we would hold them up in prayer and not tear them down or, or think they should do this, they should do that. Just pray for them. Yeah. Um, so as you were sharing that, you know, I think most of our nation, they're, they're grieving and they wanna get involved and they wanna do something. And so can you share with me, I know you are on staff, many, you have many chaplains that are on staff, but can you talk to me about how you can get involved and can, who can get trained through the crisis uh, training? Yes. Um, if anyone was interested in becoming a Billy Graham Rapid Response Team chaplain, they can go online to Billy Graham Rapid Response Team. We have a webpage there. 
uh, that explains the entire process. There's an application process as well. So once that's filled out, mailed in, we'll receive it, and then we'll, we'll send them an email confirmation that their application has been received. Uh, there's a background check. There's references. There's a thorough application process. And then they will be called by myself or another manager in office to have a phone interview. Uh, we do ask that they belong to a church because there will be pastoral references as well. And um, that's the process there. However, if you don't want to become an RRT chaplain, but you want to be part of the prayer ministry, we have uh, so many thousands of people praying for the RRT. You can also, on our website, sign up for our prayer ministry. And we really encourage prayer hmm. from everyone on each deployment that we're on. Because we feel the power of God moving when the people are praying for us. When we're in the middle of these chaotic situations and in these tough navigating environments with hostility and so forth, the Holy Spirit's power leads and guides us, but the prayers of the saints are felt. We can we can feel them on the ground as God is moving and open doors and closing doors and moving in hearts of individuals and writing his story, keeping us behind him, not in front of him, not getting ahead of what he's doing, but right in the right place, and we actually get to see him too. Mm-hmm. And so they can join us that way. Or some just don't want to be a chaplain. Uh, they like the prayer idea, but they would like to financially support. They can do that as well because without the financial support of caring donors, we couldn't do what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I think so many are just, yeah, what can I do? But I, I encourage people listening, like you said in, in the passage of Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, look around in your area. There are people hurting everywhere in this nation, you know, at hearts that are broken. And so, um, yes, going into the the crisis, you know, the, the cities that are the most heavily impacted by these protests, but they're happening all over our country. So I encourage, yeah, churches to look around for ways to minister. May I close up in prayer? Oh, of course. I would love that. Well, Father, uh, we each now, as this call comes to an end, we want to just, again, Today, thank you for who you are. We thank you for where you are. We thank you for all that you have done, you continue to do. And we already know uh, the future that lies ahead because you've given it to us in your word. None of us could thank you enough for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And as this conversation Uh, comes to an end, Lord, we just pray for the body of Christ uh, to be ready to have a heart and a mission to respond, um, to take a closer look at trauma and suffering of of souls all around us, everywhere you go. Uh, Someone is going through or someone is separated from you. Might we provide the opportunity that you give us for the ministry of hope through Jesus Christ? Always be ready to have that ministry of presence and proclaim the good news when you give the opportunity. So make us uh, messengers, 
ready to serve in your world here in our United States, but around the world. And we thank you for what you have done. We look forward to what you're going to do. And uh, we know the story is not over yet. We love you and we praise you. Thank you for this podcast. Might you use it in a way to encourage someone today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. I pray that you were encouraged by Kevin's heart, his prayer, and his thoughtful words. Please be praying for our rapid response team as they go on the ground in the middle of chaos and pain to bring the hope and love of Jesus Christ. Check out our show notes for pictures, the scriptures that we mentioned, and ways to get engaged. I want to read a couple statements that Franklin Graham made when he addressed this situation to the staff recently. I am thankful that Franklin, the president of Samaritan's Purse, is using his voice to speak out against racism and injustice. Here's what he said. The tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota shocked and outraged our entire nation, as well as other countries around the world. This was a repulsive act of evil that should have never happened. Racial discrimination of any kind is wrong and police brutality can never be tolerated. Samaritan's Purse works in over 100 different countries, assisting people in churches of all nationalities in times of crisis and spiritual opportunity. You may not be aware that the majority of people who work for Samaritan's Purse worldwide are people of color. We are a pro-life organization. All lives matter to God and should matter to us as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that all people are created in God's image, Genesis 1.27. No skin color is more or less important to Him. The Bible teaches us to love others as we would love ourselves. We should treat others the way we want to be treated. And even more, we are to treat others as God has already treated us in Christ with grace and mercy. Jesus dealt with issues of racial discrimination when he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. He pointed out to his listeners that a man of ethnicity that they looked down on, even despised, was the hero, doing the right thing in helping a victim of violence and injustice. And Jesus told us to go and do likewise. Unfortunately, until Christ returns, we are going to continue to see acts of violence, prejudice, and injustice because we live in a broken and fallen world. Satan is the one who wants to kill and destroy. I remember segregation personally. As a young boy growing up, I went to a segregated school. Restaurants were segregated, bathrooms were segregated. I didn't understand it and it bothered me, saddened me, even repulsed me. As a nation, we have come a long way since then and we have a long way to go. Our job as followers of Christ is to make his name known. We are to tell a hurting world that Jesus died and shed his blood for our sins. He was despised and rejected by men. He was falsely accused and beaten beyond recognition. The Bible tells us, by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. Jesus has called us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. This is what we Christians should be doing and it is what we are going to continue to do at Samaritan's Purse, calling people to be reconciled to God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. End of quote. We know that George's story is just one of many troubling crimes of racial injustice. This week, I hope you take Franklin's challenge to heart. Pray for the families of those who were killed. Pray for justice and pray that God will show you how to take action and make a difference. I hope you were challenged and encouraged today. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.